0: You have to file taxes on crypto income that you receive.
1: You don't have to if you want to go to jail. <laughs>
0: this is Unemployable, the podcast for independent workers, freelancers, DAO contributors, and other unemployed folks who want to own their employment and become self-sovereign. We may work alone, but we can be unemployable together. This episode of Unemployable is brought to you by Opolis, providing health insurance, benefits and payroll for the self-employed. Join the community at opolis.co. Welcome to Unemployable. I'm your host, Joshua Lapidus, and today we're covering everything you want to know about crypto taxes, payroll, cryptocurrencies, taxes on scams and rug pulls. We cover it all. About 20% of Americans have traded crypto, and crypto payroll is a growing trend in Web3. Trading and income, that means taxes. Whether you're new to crypto taxes or you've been filing for years, This episode is full of insights and strategies from crypto tax expert at Darien Advisors, Cameron Brown. If you were with us last episode, Cameron shared tax insights and strategies for our freelancers and unemployables. He's back this week with even more alpha. This episode, we cover everything you need to know about crypto taxes, including strategies for tax avoidance, and very specifically not tax evasion. As a CPA, Cameron has spent the last few years providing cryptocurrency tax services to a variety of personal and business clients. And today I'm excited to have Cameron back on the podcast to share his crypto tax insights with the community. So Cameron, welcome to Unemployable. As an unemployable yourself and someone who serves other unemployables, I know the community is going to get so much out of this conversation. Straight talk. I get this question a lot. People generally don't like my answer, so maybe they'll trust it coming from a CPA directly. Do you have to pay taxes? Do you have to file taxes on crypto income that you receive?
1: You don't have to if you want to go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> there it is, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. And the reason being is you sign off on your return when you transmit it under penalties of perjury, and by excluding that data, you're committing perjury, which is a federal crime. So i Probably avoid that one. You don't want to go to big boy prison. <laughs> or big girl prison.
0: Yeah, or, or big girl prison. <laughs> I don't think they put those people in the same place. I like talking about Al Capone a lot. I'm from Chicago and it makes for a really nice a joke because, surprisingly, people don't know what he went to Alcatraz for. Not Texas. all of the murders and like alcohol during the prohibition and prostitution and all that crap. He stopped paying out. He didn't pay Uncle Sam.
1: Yeah. I love to crack this joke. Is like, Does it doesn't matter if you're selling weed illegally, doesn't matter how you earn your monies, the IRS just wants their due. There's certain rules around certain transactions like that. They may be illegal in nature, but if you're making money, the tax agency doesn't care. They want their due. (laughs) All
0: right. So you're a dealer, right? You're telling the IRS, I made my money doing (laughs) selling pot illegally. The IRS is not going to arrest you, but maybe they share that information. With another agency. I mean, it's a joke now, but like there is the very real possibility that maybe not in the short term, but with a certain government or a certain like wave of people get elected and all of a sudden they want to make crypto illegal. It's a weird hypothetical that I don't have to like get into, but like you should still pay your taxes.
1: You should definitely pay your taxes. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's my default is just pay your taxes. Always pay your taxes. So with the understanding you should be paying your taxes, let's get into the how. Crypto trading, this is buying, selling, liquidity pools, NFT flipping. It's really interesting. There's a bunch of members of Opalus who literally put their job title as like JPEG trader or NFT flipper. How are these things taxed?
1: We want to tease out certain aspects. Yeah. So generally swaps. So going from one, you know, asset to another, whether it's ERC20, X equivalents of tokens, to, or you know, coins, et cetera, those are property to property exchanges. Which are taxable. So they'll be subject to capital gains and loss treatment. In the case of like NFT burns or like burning to mint, you're trading a bunch of JPEGs. We keep those kind of like a swap as well, where you're essentially trading one for the other. But I'll defer back to you, Josh, on other treatments or what else you want to know. We can go, I can keep well, rambling. Yeah, but...
0: I was going through some transactions and burn to mint is actually a really interesting concept because, so let's say one ETH, my cost basis is $1,000 just because I'm terrible at math and that's the easiest thing to. So my cost basis for ETH is 1,000. One, one ETH. I mint a JPEG and it burns. Do I get to write off that one thousand as a loss because I sent it to the burn address? I don't yeah. have access to that ETH anymore.
1: Yeah, there's two ways of looking at it, and I don't think there's a wrong way. Um, it's just a matter of like data presentation. So in the case of a burn, and you just like write off your cost basis, like it's gone. I've lost You know, I've lost control of it. It's on my wallet. So you have basically a, an outsized loss of a thousand in that case. Sure. And then you have a new token that has a cost base, essentially zero plus a little bit of gas you use to mint it, and then you have an outsized capital gain. So what we've done, that's again, not wrong to do with that treatment, and mark one is just leaving, but what we typically do is mark those a swap, because you are, you know, essentially burning one to create the other, like it's kind of like a phoenix, like this comes and rises from the ashes, it's still right. kind of the same asset, right? So to avoid like having a huge outsized loss or zero dollar proceeds, it just looks cleaner, so it's a presentation, it, like the actual So it's not tax. as much about the
0: actual on-chain function and more about the practical this for that?
1: Yeah, it's like the presentation narrative. The actual on-chain narrative is one went out, one came back in. But if you right. think about what happened to get there, you wouldn't be able to generate the other one without burning the other thing. So that's how we tend to see it. But again, there's no wrong answer, just various degrees of right.
0: <laughs> I don't know if this is inside scope, but is this the guidance, or there is no guidance, and this is just the philosophy we've taken, and we're going to try to argue for it, and maybe advocate for this type of treatment when it comes to? Ne-
1: are there people negotiating with the IRS for how this stuff yeah. is treated? Is that what lobbying is? No, as, that's a very good question. How it actually happens is there's guidance. So the IRS puts out their FAQs to to come out in the past preceding years, and it basically just says, in the case of reviewing a return. This is how we're going to treat these transactions. And this is the assumption where we're returns as such. So that's what they put out saying, that's our position. On the flip side, anything to the contrary is a position from your direction. Now, it's not to say which one is right or wrong, but the other one carries the full weight of the US federal government. So in these cases of treatments, there's, again, nothing's definitive. I and mean, we have clients either with their own returns, will put together other position saying, you know what, I disagree with that. i like to file as such because I think that is the way this should be treated. Because there is no definition to that. A little bit stronger teeth to that would be engaging a tax attorney to put together a position paper and come forthright saying, the return has been prepared as such. This is the position we're taking. And in the case when an IRS audit, I've been very forthright and honest with what we're doing. We're not oh, just filing as such. There's two different nuances with it, and the idea is like if you put that out there, you may notify the IRS of your activities and then jeopardize a higher risk of audit. So that's one thing to balance. On the flip side, if you don't tell them, it could make the conversation a little meaner when they come down to the case and audit. So yeah. How far away do you think we are from, I imagine people have submitted
0: these letters and that, I mean, because we were like 10 years into this experiment of, well, a little bit more than 10 years, but Bitcoin plus shit coins, right? Or plus Ethereum plus shit coins. and so I'm sure that the like this is, does it end with like a Supreme Court of like olds trying to review modern yeah. technology?
1: Yeah. I, what does the end game look like? The end game? I mean, like if Congress gets together and passes something, like I would love definitions so I can actually you know definitively say this is the deduction, this is the income, this is how we treat it. There are various degrees of gray and like certain contracts, certain change, certain situations you have to dance around and like. It's fun, but it's also very tiring. Yeah. And ultimately, like what that's going to happen is a lot of returns of the bulk, like strange activities, apart from swapping and mining, were filed in 2021 when DeFi really took off. Yeah, maker vaults were around in 2020, a little bit earlier, but not like not to the same uptake and and op- adoption. So if we kick out two to three years from earlier this year, we're probably looking at a bunch of audits come down the road in 24, 25, and then if people get litigious, then 25, 26. And it's going to be a very, 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 very long cycle with not a lot of clarity.
0: Was there anything in the SBF proposed legislation you found concerning or
1: that you would have advocated for or against? I have not dove in as much as I should. I've been following the situation at a high level. The biggest piece, though, is both agencies kind of looking for is this a commodity, is security. And if there's definition on what the heck these things are, that will basically allow us to adopt treatments towards commodities or treatments towards securities, which has huge ramifications for the taxation and how we actually treat mining, staking, trading-ish. And I I will love to like highlight an example of this is in the case of commodities, like you see trees behind me, right? Like you chop down the trees, you put them in a stack of wood, not taxable. You do the same with mining on Bitcoin or previously in Ethereum, you stack your Bitcoin in a wallet, but it's taxable. And it's the same, like the logic isn't there. There's two like Hemispheres of how the how the IRS is looking at it, even though they're fundamentally this kind of the same process.
0: Wait, hang on. Wouldn't it I mean they are kind of treated the same because if you took that wood that you chopped down from the tree and you put a market value on it and you sold it, it would have a cost basis. If you sold it. Based off of the price of lumber. If you sold it. Is so you're saying that Bitcoin, when you mine it and you receive it, so it's the same as like cutting down a tree, it is taxed even though it's just sitting in a wallet?
1: Yeah, exactly. The IRS has been definitive, saying mining is taxable wow. when re- is when received. You know, similar example is like you grow corn, you harvest the corn, put it in a grain bin. That's not taxable until you sell the corn. We call it Bitcoin mining, right? Yeah. But if we called it Bitcoin
0: farming or Bitcoin tree trapping, do you think that would change? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> no, no. Okay. So on that note, let's shift back to something that is productively helpful to an unemployable. A lot of our Unemployables, a lot of, our, a, a lot of the Opolis members get paid in crypto, and it's either a mix of stable coins or the native token. And just to shout out a few of them, just so that we can use an example, there's a lot of people from the Gitcoin community who are paid in GTC, partially, okay. a lot from the Shapeshift community who are paid in Fox and Badger, paid in Badger and so on. Let's just start from the top. What is the the cost basis and is there capital gains? How does that work?
1: Yeah. So at a, at a very, very, very simplistic, pedantic example is I provide services. I get paid in that token. That's going to be ordinary income at the price or fair market value that day. So if you're getting paid in a thousand dollars of Fox, GTC, ETH, et cetera, you have recognized a thousand dollars of income. So with that being said, it's very good practice to, again, you receive that thousand bucks, set aside some for taxes, rainy day fund. And because we've seen this a lot with people getting in the sole ecosystem last year, Sol was 190, 200. They're recognizing the ordinary income yeah. here for their services. And then sol goes here, and yet they're still on the hook for their services at that level. So it's good to sock some cash away when you're getting paid. So let's say somebody its not being pegged to the dollar amount.
0: It's just like 100 sole, right? Is it the value is the dollar amount at the time you received it? Or is it if there's a claim process, is it the time that you were eligible to claim it or the time that you actually claimed it?
1: Yeah. Generally, it's when you claim it, because it's easier record keeping, it's not going to be hard to like actually calculate those accruals each period, each epic, each block. Sure. I've also seen for certain folks that are working like Sushi, there's like automatic vesting where it's made available to them in a smart contract, and therefore it's available at that point. And that would be technical to you as taxable income as it's, you know, essentially accrues and it's, it's made a vest. But generally, yes, if you paid paid 100 soul and souls 20 bucks you're gonna recognize income of 100 times 20, so 2000. Okay, so this next one, this is a very important question because I imagine it'll be clipped out
0: because this is a question that all of the members of Opolis that, that get paid in crypto have this question. And that is, how does capital gains work when you process your crypto through Opolis as W2 income?
1: Can you rephrase, like what crypto are you sending? Are you sending stables or something else?
0: Yeah, so I guess like the very easy, like uh, you get paid in USDC, it's a stable coin, right? And then you process that USDC through Opolis to receive the W-2 income. What are the taxes on that crypto?
1: Yeah, so when you receive that USDC originally, that's ordinary income. So that's gonna go on line one, gross income, et cetera. And then when you take that, a portion or all of it, and send it to Opolis, that's gonna be a deduction for your, for the wages, also any sort of benefits, payroll tax associated with it. There's also the net piece or withholding that get paid to that as well. But yeah, that's there's no capital gains event there because you're essentially paying with stables. I mean, there's fractions of a penny to quote office space of the varying price of USDC or et cetera. So USDC either trades
0: at like .99999 or 1.00001 or whatever. Is it generally, is it safe to just treat it as $1
1: or do you actually have to factor in the cost basis? Materiality. So, does it is it close enough? And yeah, it's materially a dollar. so We'll treat it as long as you're being consistent. Like if you're just yeah. like it equals one dollar, I'm always yeah. going to consider it one dollar regardless. Exactly. I mean, if you're getting paid in a more fluctuating stable coins, I mean, tether Let's drop. Let's use that example as the next yeah. one. So you
0: get paid in GTC. Most people, because we don't process GTC right now, we process only stable coins. So what they'll do is they'll sell that GTC for stable coins and then they'll send the stable coins through Opolis from their business to their personal account. So what are the capital gains or yeah. different taxes
1: involved there? So I'll tease out two workflows. So one, well, it's just going to be receiving GTC. So first and foremost, you're going to recognize, like we said, like proof says ordinary income at the spot rate or fair market value of that date. So if you're receiving 5000 of GTC, $5,000 equivalent of GTC, you've got $5,000 of income. Now, okay. it's a day later, and GTC has dropped, that GTC you have is now worth four grand. You convert that to stable coins and send it to Opus. You've then recognized a $1,000 capital loss, and then you send the 4000 to Opus, which is your expense.
0: Your business gets to recognize a $1,000 capital loss, or in the other direction, if you sell it at $6,000, your business is recognizing a $1,000 capital gain. Correct. This is like the crux of the question, yeah. which is what happens to that capital gain liability if you process it through Opolis as income?
1: If you're, say GTC goes up to 6K, then you send that over. So the right. taxes would then be withheld from that amount and the actually the capital gains amount would be already processed through Opolis. So the tax associated with that $1,000 of gain would be therefore handled. So, all right, so then
0: you've got $6,000 of USDC that you're gonna process through Opolis as payroll. 1,000 of that, your business owes Capital gains on, which is short-term capital gains, but if you're processing it through Opolis, you're not facing a double taxation. You get, you're subjecting that six thousand USDC to short-term capital gains, which is regular income rate. I just want to clarify because this is what the question we get is: Are you being double taxed?
1: No. Well, ninety-five percent of the cases, no, because an S corp. LLC, sole prompt, they're all considered pass-through entities. So whatever happens at the entity level gets passed through to you, the beneficial owner. So whatever gains are recognized by the S-Corp are realistically realized by you, the individual that owns that S-Corp. So you're not getting double tax because everything just passes through at the end of the day. Okay, so it is
0: advantageous to take the capital gains either from like NFT flipping or day trading and process it through Opolis.
1: Yes, it is advantageous because if you're taking the gross amount and send it over, you're essentially withholding tax on that through wages and therefore withholding tax on the gains as opposed to a lot of times what happens is you have those paper gains and people don't set aside taxes for it and then you're left on the hook for that at the year end. So yes, it is advantageous to process this through.
0: Cool. I think our listeners are going to enjoy that assurance that they're not being double taxed. What is that 5% of cases that you mentioned? where things yeah. a little wonky.
1: The only time is if people are formed as a C-Corp. So in the case of a C-Corp, it's a distinct tax entity with its own tax obligations. It's not passed through. So the C-Corp, anything you do within there would be set up to 21% tax, federal tax. And then any salary payments processed through are gonna be obviously at your ordinary income tax rate as an individual. And then any distributions you take are theoretically double taxed because you're paying corporate tax and then dividend tax on any dividend distributions you take from it whereas an S corp sole prop partnership dividends are not taxed because you're deemed to be taxed on the earnings because you're a pass through entity
0: so for somebody who's contributing to a DAO who's getting paid in non-stable coin crypto assets it is simpler and or advantageous to organize your employment vehicle as an S corp rather than a C corp
1: correct It'd be easier because you have an easier vehicle to withhold taxes and get those payments ahead of schedule. The alternative, if you're trading individually, nothing wrong against that, you just have to make sure you're, making sure you're making your estimated tax payments for your crypto gains. Okay,
0: cool. And then one more on this line. So let's, instead of short-term, let's use a long-term cap gains example. So I've held the GTC for over a year. The long-term capital gains is a different tax rate than the short-term capital gains. If I take that, those long-term cap gains and process it through Opolis as income, am I overtaxing myself? And is there like a process that, like do you notify an accountant and be like, hey, I think this should have been taxed at a different rate and they can reconcile it in post?
1: Yeah, essentially reconcile and post, yeah. No pun intended. Yeah, so with that, you can either... No, I intended my pun. That was- <laughs> <laughs> Good, well, I love a good dad joke as a father too. So yes, you could probably, instead of remitting 100% of the capital gain, you could send over like, 80% cuz capital gains rate are more beneficial than short term rate. Alternatively, is it will get fixed up in post cuz doesn't matter if your tax rate on short term capital gains or long term capital gains is different. All that tax gets pulled together and paid at year end. So it will get corrected on the 1040 return in some fashion. Just matter if you're over or under.
0: Well, I guess yeah, that would be the 1040 for the business, but for the if they're processing everything opulus, it's on the W2,
1: right? Correct. And then the W-2 has withholdings, which I think you report in your 1040, and then it gets fixed in post.
0: (laughs) Cool. So you shouldn't spend too much time or heartburn worrying about the tax rate when it goes through OPPOS because as long as you're handing over the appropriate documents and tax forms to your CPA,
1: they'll make sure that
0: you're sorted out and not overpaying.
1: Correct. Or you can take the old ad like, Phase on my part, I like to say, is don't focus on taxes, just focus on making money, and then you can pay your taxes with that money.
0: <laughs> that has to be one of the most hilarious things, looking back on DeFi summer and then the NFT. I guess we have to call it a bubble, where people were like, "I don't want to recognize this hundred ETH gain because then I'll have to pay taxes." And now those JPEGs are worth like an ETH, two ETH, and it's like. I would have rather paid twenty Ethan taxes to have eighty in my pocket than you know like nothing. So focus on making money.
1: Good old hustle culture.
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah. Go out and make more money is not bad advice ever. <laughs> oh no, he gave me financial advice that said I should work hard and try to make money.
1: Yeah. Not not credentialed financial advice, but financial advice nonetheless. <laughs>
0: Yeah, right. I, I try to I try to avoid saying things that have to be caveated with not financial advice, because I, I feel like the people who do that are just giving financial advice and trying to hide behind a weak disclaimer. Exactly.
1: <laughs> Every YouTuber. It's or, like, stand
0: by your words. Exactly. Own up. Yeah. If you're going to give advice, give advice. I try not to give advice wherever possible. Uh, and my producers are like, I'm pretty sure we put a disclaimer on these, exactly.
1: on these episodes. And as a parent, I get a lot of unsolicited advice. So you just choose what to listen to or not. <laughs>
0: yeah right it'd, it'd be interesting if we applied the same concepts and it's like oh well cameron advised that i do this with my kid and screwed up my kid and there's there, is there like a court for that like there is when i say oh go buy this jpeg be fun i'd watch that show <laughs> i also would and maybe we can just use some ChatGPT gpt to write the show and then sell it to netflix nice. gotta get out there hustle make that money okay so 2022 was not the best year for locking in those hundred ETH gains, and a lot of our listeners may have taken some losses. And you know, this episode being February, it's a little late to say, "Hey, lock in those losses by December 30th. But are there any strategies that you would advocate for for reducing tax liability related to crypto losses?
1: Uh, this is not tax advice. No, it's kidding. No. All right, can
0: we get somebody who can give tax advice?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd say like looking at the true nature of certain events. So, fine tooth and comb over whether going into Ave, you know, Ave vaults is taxable, or this Rappi, this Bridgie, this LP event, this, you know, this vault, et cetera. There's a lot of levers, quote unquote, to pull, and where we deem something to be taxable or not. So having a hard look at that could be some substantial tax savings. Also find a good tax CPA that is crypto. But apart from that, it's good just to have a, a good hard look at what you did and not take things at face value if you run it through any sort of tax software. Generally there is monies left on the table and just a couple hours of review can save you substantial sums, even on your own DIY. So looking at the certain nuances, certain treatments, trying to find things you may have burned or missed or missing transactions, there's always something that's wrong. It's a proverbial rabbit hole of tax.
0: Yeah. I think personally my biggest issue right now is I use the softwares and I don't know what the cost basis of my ETH is. I have absolutely no idea. Well, if I had to say, like, what is the, in the shortest amount of time, the least number of clicks and steps, what is the best strategy for discovering what my cost basis on my ETH is?
1: Shortest amount of clicks? Or is just the easiest? Yeah, it just depends how many ETH you're running through. Find a darn good tax software and get lucky. <laughs> That's probably the easiest way. And it's... just
0: hope that the algorithm figures out
1: what my ETH is cost-based. Another fantastic, on that note, too, is another good way is just looking at different cost-based strategies so like everyone defaults to fifo but like there's specific identification there's opti there's the tax machines doing other other work to find the best strategy so that's another way to determine so what is your eth worth is a very arbitrary ethereal no pun intended pun yeah of, very much intended concept.
0: and there are people that you can hire to like figure that out and like go through and so it's not just finding something to prepare your taxes
1: is this something that darian
0: does and if i hired you would you figure out not just what my cost basis of ETH, but a couple different options of, if you do this, you're ETH, this this cost basis, and if you do this, it's this other thing.
1: Yeah, that's what we do. We live this day in, day out. A firm's a bunch of masochists, like trying to figure out what is the value of that ETH you have in your portfolio. And a lot of it is compounding, so like you're missing a huge wallet out transfer in 2020, it comes back in later that can affect your cost basis. So a lot of our procedures and time is spent on missing transactions or just things that tax softwares don't grab. Another part where we cut our edge is, you know, looking at those fuzzy events and having a great critical look and conversation on how would this be treated? Are LPs taxable or not? Is this bridge? Do you want to take a position that wrapping is not taxable? How about auto compounding tokens? How should we look at that? Or the famous fall of 2021, which is rebasing DAOs. There's a lot of weird nuanced opinions and positions you can take with it. And tax avoidance is not tax evasion. So what is the right way to reflect that situation? Or what is the most accurate or no tax evasion? Maximize tax avoidance. (laughs) Zero tax evasion. Pay your
0: taxes but we should maximize the tax avoidances and find strategies within the legal guidelines to pay the least amount of taxes.
1: Correct. And it's something where one of our law partners on this is, you know, taxes shouldn't burden any sort of innovation in a new industry. And right now, the current tax code with regards to crypto is not as friendly as it could be compared to other industries. You're not going to say, I'll say burdensome. It's a huge burden. It's burdensome. Yeah, it's a huge burden. Yeah, it's burdensome. And it's yeah. it's not fair sometimes. And like, Think about, like we had a couple of clients come back through us recently. They minted out when ETH was 3,800, and then it was down quite considerably three days later, and they have ordinary income, capital loss. Those don't talk to each other. You can't match them, so that's not fair. It doesn't reflect the situation. So there's a lot of nuances like that that I personally disagree with. Darian does the firm, and a lot of our crypto and law partners do as well.
0: When you said that, I thought you were talking about us. The Buffacorns? I don't know if we, if we use you, but we probably should. Yeah, we minted when it was November 2021. Oh. So, like, toward the top. And because I, you know, we're ETH maxi, so we kept it in ETH, but we were able to lock in a pretty solid tax loss at the end of the year. Okay. So we just mentioned we want to maximize our tax avoidance. What are some strategies for minimizing these? Aside from the very obvious, don't do anything on chain, <laughs> yeah. how do you minimize your crypto tax liability?
1: Yeah, the easiest one is look at cost-based strategies. Play with FIFO, LIFO, OPTI, Specific Identification, HIFO. The IRS has definitively said that FIFO or Specific Identification are the only approved methodologies but anything that's not FIFO is essentially Specific Identification. You're just choosing the highest ones or the last in or whatever. Yeah. So that's a good way to lever. It can, if you're going from year to year, potentially impact depending on what tax lots you're grabbing. So if you're grabbing transactions from prior years, Maybe not mix and matching. So it's again, see what you're looking at and see what you're grabbing, or consult a tax professional. Outside of that is just understand where you fall on the spectrum of risk and defensibility and compliance with regards to okay. LPs, vaults, bridging, wrapping, heck, even staking and restaking. And the Tazo's case was the first kind of like anti-fud, but like hey, um, false anti-fud, I guess, where. Staking's not taxable. Well, it's not for the Jarrett's. This is the baking? The baking? No, this is the Tezos staking Jarrett case out of Tennessee. Everyone's like, staking's not taxable. Well, it just isn't for them for that year. <laughs> well, I thought Tezos staking is called baking, I thought. Oh, is it called bacon? I don't stake on Tezos, so is it called bacon? All right. Well, the Tezos baking staking.
0: I, have a, I don't know. It's been a couple of years since I've touched Tezos, so.
1: Yeah, but right. regardless, so like. Looking at nuanced yield farming, rewards, airdrops, you can file 83Bs for your airdrops. Just like critically looking at transactions apart from just taking these FAs value.
0: I don't think I've ever filed an 83B for my airdrops. So that's a good strategy to start doing in 2023. All right, so let's say I had not done these things, but it is the most advantageous strategy. Is there like, can you go back and do it?
1: Yeah. So you can obviously amend prior years. You can work with tax professionals to restate balances and understand nuanced positions. Nothing's ever set in stone with the IRS. You have the ability to amend. I will caution that going back and amending isn't necessarily a red flag. Like you can take positions just to explain why and amending yeah. doesn't, you know, say, Hey, audit me right away. But the uh, speaking as a former auditor, not tax auditor, but uh, when something is different or wrong or changed the brain goes, well, what else? Like, And what else did they miss or make a mistake on? And it just kind of opens the questions up on the return. So it's good to get it right the first time. So in the case of 2022, if you have questions or any time to suss it out, pay some sort of estimate by April, extend until October, and then make a decision then, wait where the market is even. What about 2021? 2021, you got to amend them, yeah. Or if you're still not filed, Long as you paid some estimated taxes, you can file late with minimal penalty.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, that's actually where I am right now. Yeah, I, I overpaid and then was like, "I'll figure it out later." Okay, so for freelancers, we talked about deductions and credits based off of what we just talked about. I don't imagine there are many, but are there specific tax deductions or credits for yeah. for crypto? With
1: regards, to like most activities, probably not. Outside of like, if you're developing or doing sort of code writing or experimentation, there'd be the research development credit, um, which yeah. exists at the federal and many stash state levels. But outside of that, nothing really comes to mind unless you went for broke and have no income. Then for this year, then there's potentially the earned income credit, which that's a that's a hard one to take. But that is available for people that literally went to zero and made no money here in 2022 on this bear.
0: Got it. Well, speaking of not making money during the bear, there were a lot of rug pulls and scams and I guess the first question is like what is the tax treatment for let's say I try to mint something and it's a scam and it drains my wallet. How does that work?
1: So at the very least you could mark a capital loss at the date of the event which is just basically like a bad debt or write-off. I've lost it. I've got no access to it. It's been written off or discharged. There is a caveat for like abandonment losses. It requires a separate filing on the return and that's essentially, if you entered into a certain position for a trade or profit or investment purpose, you can write that off against ordinary income. It does okay. require you to abandon the, the pursuit. So truly, like truth are used for like scams and hacks where there's no recoverability. We've had some clients decide to do that. But when you say abandon pursuit, that means
0: like you don't take legal action against the scammer? Like you're just done, or
1: you've written it off? You just, you like throw it off in the ocean. So those, those, back those
0: guys there. dumpster diving in the UK to try to find that Bitcoin?
1: They haven't written that off. That's they haven't written it off yet. No, that's they're still recoverable. Yeah, got it. So that one and like people ask a lot with like Terra Luna Ponzi's things that go like from X to like zero point zero 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 one. Right, those are still unrealized until realized. So actually burning, getting rid of those so tokens, realize those
0: losses and just because yeah. there's there's not like sophisticated wash trading rules for crypto. So you you sell it, and buy it right back, and now you've locked yep. in a massive tax loss.
1: Correct. And there's there is a Ponzi scheme carve out, which there's a lot of like regulations and caveats with that. It came in wake of Bernie Madoff and how you classify that. But that one's specific, which people I've had people request for like what's going on with FTX, which they found four and a half billion dollars allegedly yesterday. I don't know. Um, so a lot of these ones are to be decided and that the best thing you can do if you have any sort of doubt on treating with any of these current events, Terra Luna, FTX. BlockFi, Celsius is just waiting as far as possible and then making a decision with the most relevant facts and data you have at the latest possible for Island Return. That way you can make the most informed, accurate position. That's interesting. Yeah.
0: I have a, I took out a loan against like one Bitcoin a year and a half ago to pay my property taxes. And it's Mm -hmm. just like stuck in Celsius. And then just, I'm just like waiting for. I guess, whenever. So at some point, I have to write that off. You're you're saying wait as long as possible to make that decision so you can make the best informed decision? To
1: make make the call of like, is it abandonment? Is it a capital loss? What's the value of it? You know, it's really easy. claim it as a capital
0: loss, but then I am eventually able to get it
1: back, does that, do you like file an amendment for that or? You can file an amendment depending upon how far you are in the future. Or just a gain in the next year. Or it's income in the next year depending upon how you receive it. Interesting.
0: My last personal example, you're going to laugh probably. So DYDX is a platform, you know what it is, but for trading like futures and longing and shorting, and it is not available to Americans, but I was able to use it and I had gotten like a sixty dollars or $70,000 airdrop. But then when I went to log in, I got a notification saying it was taken because I'm an American and I'm no longer eligible for it. So am I able to write off a $60,000 loss compliments of the SEC? Well, I mean I tweeted about it as like a joke. I'm like, I'm gonna write a sixty thousand dollar tax loss and the if the IRS wants to ask questions, they can go ask Gary Gensler about what happened. That's a
1: that's a fantastic experiment. Yeah, I would say did, did you ever have like right to the airdrop? Like was it, it would you were able to claim it would off chain or just kinda like you had the constructive receipt of it? it? Was there or it was promised to you in some fashion?
0: Yeah, it was there. It was promised. I don't know if I still have a screenshot. Okay. But like I went to go click the claim button. My VPN was not on, so no, that's kind on. of my fault, but then the thing went up, it's like, you're an American, you can't claim this, and then I was never able to get back to that screen. Ooh.
1: Yeah, probably not, because you never really had it, but you'd have to recognize the income to write it off, so maybe just, I think, probably take the L on that one. Non-tax advice. It's kind of just a wash. Yeah, it's just a wash. <laughs> yeah, fair. Darn you, Gensler. God. Uh.
0: thank you for that protection. SEC I feel incredibly protected at this moment
1: where were they when I was down with all these random Chinese Hong Kong Indian exchanges like <laughs>
0: yeah all right so you spent the last two years deep in crypto and web three it's obvious from this conversation as a CPA and tax expert based on everything you've uncovered and your expertise in this area what would be like best case like top strategy tip like what is the your part your parting words of advice top strategy
1: tip uh, don't let a good loss go to waste. I've seen a lot of times where people don't recognize paper losses. The unfortunate side is that paper gains are most certainly taxable and it's hard to get away from that. But if you recognize and acknowledge that, yes, I lost money on that, you can use your losses against your paper gains and then be no worse for wear. And it's something that's a, it's a hard like mental thing to come across of like actually realizing it and saying, there's no way I've lost 75% of that. But like it is to your benefit tax-wise to take it yeah, yeah, buy in later, reset your position, but like making sure you're harvesting your losses because the current tax system is unfair with regards to paper paper tax gains.
0: So take the L to take the W. Take the
1: L to take the long W. Exactly. <laughs>
0: yeah. Take the short term L to take the long term W. That sounds like pretty good advice to me. Yeah, people. it's about winning the war, not fighting the battle. That's that that's it. That's the yep. one. Yeah. Sometimes you have to lose the battle to win the war. Right. (laughs) Cameron, thank you so much for joining me today on Unemployable. This has been a fantastic conversation. Probably one of my favorites so far. We didn't get into availability of Darian. So if you want to just plug, these are the services and where people can find you.
1: Yeah. You can check us out at darianadvisors.io. We're a full service practice. We also do partial service. So by full service, we amalgamate exchanges, wallets, chew through to generate cryptocurrency tax reports. It Starts at 750, 10% off for any Opolis members that mention the code on our landing page. Ooh, nice! And then most folks fall if they're doing DeFi multi-chain between 1250 to 1750. And then we've got our Pro Pack, which is like everything above and that. We can also do individual S-Corp small business tax prep for any Opolis members, similar to the referral. We have a flat 500 bucks for any single state or basically no state based on a Wyoming S-Corp filing. And then any sort of advisory, consultation, accountancy, the fun stuff besides crypto tax reporting, tax filing, we handle on a case-by-case basis. But fill out a form, book a call, reach out to us at hello at advisors.io. We'd love to chat with you. And the reason why I'm in Web3 is it's a fantastic place. I've learned some of the best things from my clients. It's also cool to work with a lot of weirdos, artists, NFT, degens, People doing random bits of solidarity in Python code. I absolutely love what I do. So come my way. i just like to chat with you about anything else. Excellent.
0: As always, to the unemployable community, I'd love to hear your reactions and thoughts to the episode. You can tweet the show at opolis, O-P-O-L-I-S, with the hashtag unemployable pod. At unemployable, I'll always be looking ahead to see what's on the horizon and bringing you top strategies for thriving in the new economy with freedom, flexibility, and peace of mind. I hope you got a lot out of this episode on crypto taxes. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast player. Your ratings and reviews help other employables find the show. Until next time, I'm your host, Joshua Lapidus, a founding steward of Opolis, co-founder of SporkDAO, crypto tax reform advocate, and
1: tenured professor here at Unemployable University. My name is Cameron Brown. I'm unemployable.